0: What, uh, as we just sang, um, quite powerful, even demanding words, you know, what is it truly that we're living for? What is it truly that we hunger for? As uh, this being Labor Day weekend, we consider about work and, and effort and the, the toil of our hands. What, what is it for which we labor Our memory passage from this last week, from Philippians 3.8, really sets us up for this Sunday to really consider it as Paul sets before us a real challenging word and asks us a very pointed question, for, for whom do we live? I mean, truly, what do our hearts hunger for? And how does that show itself in, in our lives? I want us to, to say our passage from last week, Philippians 3:8, and uh, um, then that'll really set the scene as we move into our uh, um, passage from today, which um, starts with Philippians 3:12. But let's uh, say this together: three: eight. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ. Now I do hope as we encounter these different verses and focus on a particular one each week, that you use them in some way throughout the week. This one has been particularly interesting Helpful for me. It's uh, our habits in our home um, regularly in the morning to pray with the kids before they go to school. Now, it's no, you might be, some of you may be saying, Whoa, man, I know how long that guy prays. That's going to mean I got to get up that much earlier. Um, but it's uh, really not that long 30 seconds um, at, at most. But this has really guided. Our prayers during the last week, that as the kids and all of us go out to school and to work, as we talked about last week, that, that everything else pales in comparison to the value we have in Jesus yeah, that I want me and I want the whole family I want us to to be bathed in the value that we have in Christ, not by what we accomplish in the classroom or the sports field or it, with our peers or in our work. Those things are important, don't get me wrong. Still got to do your homework. But our value does not come from them. And because those things are are fleeting, they can come and go. But our value is in Jesus. So I invite you, as we go through these passages, as we continue through Philippians the next several weeks, just, you know, and it may be that one passage you need to, to hunker down with that one for a while. You don't feel like you've got to move on to the next one for the next week. It may be the Spirit just hangs with you with one. And for parents, uh, when you pray with your children, whether, however and whenever it works out, morning or evening, you know, that... I, and Invite you just to reiterate what hits you as you pray for them during this, uh, for whether this passage or uh, another one. And if you're not able to to make the time to to pray with your kids, I encourage you to find it, even if it's 10 seconds, 15 seconds um, uh, for us kids, grandkids, or for spouses, whatever. But that has been helpful for me particularly um, during the course of this week. And and it really does set the scene for then Paul's challenging word to us to lay it all out for Jesus. We'll find that on uh, page 955 in your pew Bible or you can follow along on the screen. It's Philippians chapter 3 starting with verse 12 which picks up right where we left off uh, last week. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then, who are mature, be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this too, God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for your written word. Thank you as it speaks to us of, of our true value. As it speaks to us, the, the, the goal, the very purpose The hunger of our lives. Lead us and guide us in your wisdom. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Now what what we see in the first verse there, verse 12, Paul sets before us what is his purpose in life. What is his very goal in life. Not that I've already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Now let's be clear here because we're not quite sure. What exactly is this goal? It's rather amorphous here. he, He hasn't reached it, but he presses on to make it his own. What is it that he's talking about? And I think if you go back to the previous passage, what he's talking about is knowing Christ. He is talking about living for Christ, living with Jesus in his everyday life. That's the goal that he's, he is seeking. It's not one that he has attained, but it is one that, that he, it's not one that he has grasped, but it is one by, that, that Jesus has grasped him for. And what do we know? That that Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost, of which we were lost until He grabbed us. And that when He grabbed us, when he, He saved us, He rescued us, that He then gives us His goal. This is what I've rescued you for, so that you would be holy like I am holy. In Matthew 7. I've rescued you so that you, now empowered by the Spirit, will love God, while your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I've, I've rescued you. I've saved you so that you now will forgive others just like I have forgiven you. I've rescued you. I've chosen you. I have grasped you, Jesus says, so that you now will know being a servant is the highest calling, not being a master. In essence, the goal now that Paul is pursuing, but well, he is pressing into the goal of being made more and more like Jesus. That is the purpose of his life. That is what he now is, is focusing his labor and attention upon. You know, um, there's a favorite bumper sticker, and bumper sticker theology is always dangerous. Um, because it's never going to quite grasp at all. But that bumper sticker that says, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Yeah, it's that just. No, we are not just forgiven. It is not that Jesus said, I have come to rescue you so that you'll be forgiven. Now just sit back and have some iced tea. That is not what he says. I have come to rescue you, to save you from the wrath of God, to save you from your own demise, so that now you will be my adopted children, carrying out my mission, even doing as we pray, greater things than me. That's why He rescued us. And for what now we pursue The amazing grace of God does not just free us from the shame and guilt of sin. The amazing grace of God frees us from the very power of sin in our lives as we pursue Jesus. But recognize that Paul has not attained that perfection he has not uh, attained that level of maturity to be just like jesus and, and what we know and then we'll see a little later is that, that that we never attain that until we see jesus face to face and he transforms us to being just like him but that is our trajectory That is our goal. That is our pursuit. The the reason that he grasped us was so that we might pursue grasping him. It's amazing when you think about Paul. I mean, he's done all kinds of good stuff. I mean, he he even told us last week, you know, that in, in terms of the law, he is righteous like no other. And we know that he now has also been one of the greatest missionary of the church. I mean, he's the one that planted churches throughout the Middle East and throughout Europe. And yet he's telling us he is, that is not what it's about, his accomplishments. What it is about is pursuing the character and nature of Jesus. It is about knowing Jesus intimately and having Him live in and through us. That is what Paul is pursuing, not accomplishments or church growth or anything else. And he wants us... To recognize the same. That this is our pursuit. And that we never stop pursuing Jesus with all of our attention and focus. Even though we know we will get there when we see Him face to face. We pursue Him today with all that we have. And that's that's what... Paul does. I mean, look at you know, verse 13 where, where he says, Beloved, I do not consider that I've made it my own. You know, I'm not there yet. I have not accomplished all that Christ can accomplish in me in terms of transforming me to be like Him. But this one thing I do. But this, this is what I can do. This is how I participate in God's work of transformation in me. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I need to give you a little bit of insight on what this heavenly call of God is. It's actually an un- unusual word, not used in the New Testament. And, and it's actually a secular word, speaking about something in those days like the Olympics. Like, uh, you know, when uh, you... you They announce the winners and they stand on the platform, you know, they get their medals and they play the national anthem. Well, that call is a specific word for that person who is the the vocal, is the voice at those events who will say, and the gold medal goes to Paul from Jerusalem. And that's the call. That's, that is that the call that he's saying. And what he's pointing, he's using that, that uh, athletic metaphor to say that's the call that we have. That one day when we enter into the victory platform of heaven, God will, because of Jesus, call us into heaven and make us, glorify us, that's the glorification, make us. In our own personalities, according to the character of Jesus, that is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus that one day everyone in Jesus will receive. And and since that is our end, that is our victory, then that, Paul is saying, is what he pursues with every ounce of his being. And what he calls us to do the same. And so he says, forgetting what lies behind. Now that's really important. Yeah. What happened yesterday, that is not significant here. I figure there's two things in Paul's life that would be the reason to forget what lies behind. One, you know, he was a direct opponent to the church. He was going and gathering Christians and putting them in jail. He he was the the coat rat guy. At Stephen's death, he took everybody's cloak so that they could then pick up more rocks and throw them at Stephen and kill them. So I imagine he looks back at some of his history and sees the the horrendous things he did against Jesus as he did them to to Jesus' church. But the power of God, the grace, the amazing grace of God has freed him has freed him from that guilt and that shame. And the same is true for any of us. No matter what, God's amazing grace has freed us from that. We can forget the, the, the worst acts that we have done because God has forgotten them also and has forgiven them. And it would be really easy for us simply to obsess on our past. Things that we've done or not done that would then paralyze us from pursuing the goal that Jesus has for us. But his, his grace is so amazing, it frees us from the past and empowers us to pursue Jesus more and more. Another reason I think maybe he would want to forget the past is because it would be easy for Paul also to rest on his laurels. Yeah, you know, just to say, hey, man, yeah, you know, I've done enough. You know, I've planted churches throughout Jerusalem and throughout the Middle East, and now I'm planted churches throughout southern Europe. I'm done. Yeah, you know, past the iced tea. The only problem is there just is no vocabulary word there in in the scriptures for retirement when it comes to pursuing Jesus. And he recognizes no matter what he has accomplished, or better yet, what God has accomplished in him, it is always before him to pursue the upward call of being transformed to be more and more like Jesus. So he forgets what lies behind. Whether it was bad, evil, or whether it was grand. And then he says, he strives forward. He stretches out. He lets it go. Uses a powerful athletic word just to say that he lets it all out for Jesus. With his eye on the goal, wanting to. You wondered what happened over there, some of you didn't. You? But what, what I hope and pray is that little stunt. Will be one to really draw you into yourself to say, How much do I let it all out for Jesus? How much is Jesus truly changing me that I truly pursue reconciliation with people I don't like? How much is pursuing Jesus leading me to being hilariously generous? How much is pursuing Jesus letting me let go of anger? Of hatred? You know, do I truly let it all out for Him? Is He the goal of all of my life? And do we, do we invite Him then into every aspect of our lives? That's, that's what the Word is. It is laying it all If you're young, you know, there's, there's all kinds of other options to consider. You know, the, you know the, there's just all kinds of goals to pursue in, in, in your life that are before you. You know, the pursuit of independence and ready to, to move and, and do what you want and be who you want. There are a whole lot. And, and, and do that. Pursue those goals. But don't let them become an idol that compete with Jesus. that Just like Paul, it was not his goal to plant churches. That was not his highest goal. His highest goal was to follow Jesus. It was to be like Him. It was to pursue Him. And in that relationship, Jesus then gifted and led Him in the power of the Spirit to do the great work that He did. But it's, a real, it's really easy to let those goals push Jesus to sort of being just a, a butler, you know, just to call on when you need him, instead of really what he said last week, to Jesus, to call Jesus my Lord. If you find yourself in that thing we call middle age, which is somewhere between here and there, you can define it for yourself, but this is what happens in middle age. You get so involved in so many different things, whether it's changing diapers or driving the car or going to work, taking care of extended family, cutting the grass, um, cleaning the dishes, all the things that you can do that take our time, that, that the tyranny of the urgent of what's before you crowds out the pursuing of Jesus. And it's not even not so much that it's a decision we make, it's just a decision that happens. To us, because we just move from one thing after another to have to do. And what Paul is saying to us is no, let, it, let those things go. There's those things, there are things that, that do have to happen, but they have to happen second from laying it all out for him. And then if you find yourself beyond that chapter of life, to, to, that, to that, 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 that chapter of where you know, this is the time to, to sit back and relax. Let me remind you, as I said earlier, there is no retirement when it comes to following Jesus and pursuing Him and being changed by Him. None of us have arrived yet. So all of us are then pursuing Jesus with the same intensity that Paul presents to us here. We are never finished until he finishes us. So I come back to our original question for for what or for whom do you labor what indeed are, are you hungry for are you passionate about for me these these two passages just the last two Sundays have, have really been a great reminder because it can be you know it's really all I know in my adult life so maybe it's the same everywhere else but seems to me it's easy for me to get caught up in the, the things of Jesus, the, the stuff of Jesus, the the work of Jesus instead of being sold out for Jesus. yeah you know, the, the, the work as long as I'm doing the work of the church or I'm studying for a sermon or preparing for something else, you know, then it always is accomplishing these things, but never stopping and saying, Am I pursuing Jesus? Am I sold out for Jesus? And this was a great, a great reminder um, of that. My you know, as I've mentioned to you before, my my desire, my, my goal, my my rule for, for me is to try to spend an hour a day with Jesus, one day a week, and one week a year and as I was pursuing this and and thinking about this and truly reflecting on this and doing a little time inventory recognized that I was cutting that short in almost every instance now it's not that the goal is time with Jesus, the goal is to pursue Jesus and for me what that means is I need to spend time with him not spending time with Him in order to prepare a sermon, not, not to spending time with Him in order to see you know, what we need to do in, in this part of the church or that part of the church or what ministry to carry out. Those are all really, really good things. But I need to spend the time, just like Paul, pursuing Jesus with everything I have. So I, I invite you... To do the same thing that uh, I did. Take a time inventory. Now, a, a lot of, there's two things that we say we look at to see what really, we really do hunger for. Look at our pocketbook, or we look at our calendar. So today, I'm asking you to do the same thing. Look at your calendar. Are you doing the things you need to do? What what that may look like so that you are sure that you are pursuing Jesus sold out with all of your life. Laid out there with your eyes on the prize. Invite you during the course of this week or two to, to do that kind of time inventory and let the Spirit speak to you. I always find it extremely enlightening for me to see what I spend my time on versus what I think I spend my time on. And it is an exercise of, this whole arena it is an exercise of, 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 of life. I mean, because what we believe is as we pursue Jesus, that He's promised to give us life abundant. And what I realize at times, I begin to think I know what life abundant is maybe a little better than Jesus does. And it is, like Paul, a regular discipline, a regular practice, a good practice to say, okay, wait a minute, Jesus, am I truly pursuing you here? Or am I just pursuing your benefits? We're going to come to a time here of communion and healing stations. And it's a time with a good bit of time of reflection. Good bit of time to sort of listen and respond and say, okay, God, you know, show me, you know, encourage me in the places where, yeah, you know, this, I'm pursuing you and challenge me, correct me, help me see the places that I'm not because I really do want to. It really is what is wise and best.